Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The reading for today comes from the 119th Psalm, verses 105 through 112. Hear the word of the Lord. Your, your word is a lamp before my feet and a light for my journey. I have sworn and I fully mean it. I will keep your righteous rules. I've been suffering so much. Lord, make me live again according to your promise. Please, Lord, accept my spontaneous gifts of praise. Teach me your rules. Though my life is constantly in danger, I won't forget your instruction. Though the wicked have set a trap for me, I won't stray from your precepts. Your laws are my possession forever, because they are my heart's joy. I have decided to keep your statutes forever, every last one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading for today comes from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. Hear now the reading of the word. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gale. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowled down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my soul says. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul that seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I will also read the same passage from the message. Here again, the reading of the word. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. God's merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. God's all I've got. God proves to be good to the one who passionately waits, the one who diligently seeks. It is a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. Think of a number between one and 100. Don't worry, I'll wait. Got it? Good. My number is 86. Eight. Six, hold on to that. You may be wondering, what does this number have to do with me? Well, nothing if you don't want to imagine with me. Or it could mean everything. So 86. 86 days since what I once knew turned into what I could only hope for. What I could only dream of. For 86 days, I've been in my home somewhat avoiding reality. Why? Why? Not because I don't believe that it's happening, 
but because it's hard to think about what's really happening in our world. A world that's lost in its own reality. A world living in fear, whether it's a virus or racism. A world that's filled with more anger than compassion these days. I've spent the last 86 days deciding whether or not I would find joy or find that permanent dent in my couch each day. For 86 days, my emotions have been on full display, even dictating how my day would go. For 86 days, I was stuck in a cycle. Well, I was really only in the cycle for the first 60 days. For 60 days, I was motivated by optimism. Mere optimism that I would wake up one day and this would all be over. Because I wanted to believe that it was that simple. Believing that the miracle would come and all that was in front of me would be behind me. However, for the last 26 days, my mindset has changed. Now think of a number between 1 and 1,000. It can be the same number, or it can be something different. Don't worry, I'll wait. Got it? Good. For the Israelites, that number is 587. 587. Why? From 589 to 587, the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. To put this into perspective, this comes after the Israelites have escaped Egypt, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and even found the promised land. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. The temple, the sacred temple was there. And they had their king. For them, life was good. Then in an instant, everything changed. In 587, they stood in the rubble of what was left. It was tragic. It was cataclysmic. It was catastrophic. It was destruction or any other horrendous word we could add to it. The book of Lamentations is a response to this. Did you know that there was a book called Lamentations in the Old Testament? Of course you knew. But how often do you read it? I like to think of it as one of the few books that showed true human emotion. Five chapters of deep and intimate thoughts. A book of personal lament. Now, lament is honesty with God and each other about the grief, pain, and loss endured. This is not the only place that we see lament in the Bible, but it is one of the places that challenge our understanding of how we can talk to God. Because the poet in Lamentations has left nothing to be interpreted and instead said everything that he was feeling. In most books, we see a story of hardship followed by a miracle or saving, and then we are pointed toward glory. However, in the book of Lamentations, the people are sitting in anger, looking for hope. This book is unaltered human emotion and confusion in the midst of chaos. The poet begins the book with two chapters about the suffering of Jerusalem. Yet this was not the first time that someone had attacked Jerusalem. However, it was the first time that someone succeeded and all was destroyed. The first verse reads, How lowly sits the city that was once so full of people. Utter disbelief that what they were living in was truly happening. For two chapters, the poet cries out. But what's interesting to me is that the poet isn't crying out to be saved. Instead, the poet cries out to reveal their suffering and the fact that no one has come to save them, not even their allies. And then we get to chapter three. The poet is still crying out to God 
But there's a moment where the poet's attitude shifts briefly. Reading from the message again, verse 19 says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember. The feeling of hitting the bottom. The poet knew that this was the lowest moment. This is the place that they didn't want to be, and yet they were stuck there. It was the beginning of the end in their mind. We too will never forget the moments when the chaos began, the confusion, uncertainty, the pain it has caused and continues to cause. The poet goes on in verses 21 through 24, still reading from the message it says, but there's one thing I remember and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. God's merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. God's all I've got left. The poet recognizes that in the midst of lament, there's a need for hope. How hope is needed is important. Hope is dependent on who God is rather than what we can do for ourselves. Hope is rooted in the fact that God is there with them. God will take care of them. And that God is not just there for a miraculous act to save them. The poet understood that God's grace and mercy would get them through. The poet knew that there was nothing they could do to shift, alter, move, restart, mold, reshape, or even change the past. However, what they could do was commit to the next day. With each new day they began, they knew that God was still compassionate. God was still merciful. God was still gracious. And even now, God is still God. Then in verses 25 and 26, the poet reminds us of what we must continually do. Reading again from the message, God proves to be good to the one who waits passionately. To the one who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope. Quietly hope for help from God. These verses point to our need for prayer and the power that prayer has to change things. In addition, the poet is reminding us of the journey to get to something greater. In the summer theme that we are bringing, we are bringing you this framework of a new beginning. We are introducing this idea that we can begin again, even now in the midst of trouble. We are willing to let our gratitude and thankfulness ground our outlook on daily life, all while recognizing that this still sucks. Now, why would I spend the last 10 minutes talking about lament only to invite you into a new beginning? It's because of the connection between these two, lament and hope. Out of lament, hope arises and pushes us toward true worship. Out of lament, we see our deepest needs and put our faith in the only one who can help. So let us focus on this new summer theme, which is centered around two words, new and beginning. 
I think it's important to define these words in order to help us better understand the framework of our theme. First, we begin with the word new. The definition of the word new is having but lately come or been brought into being. Now, in my mind, the word new implies a recent change and it doesn't take away from what's already there. Another part of my rediscovery of the word new is looking at its antonyms. And here are just a few words that are the opposite of new. Familiar, existing, regular, standard, usual, and even normal. Normal, the state of being that we all wanted to go back to at one point is not where we should be. These are just some of the words that we would use to describe the good old days. But we can't use these words to describe our future because we want something better. We hope for something greater. The second word we have is beginning. The word beginning means an act or state or circumstance of entering upon an action. The point of time or space at which anything begins. The word beginning reminds us that it takes action and we cannot remain stuck in the same place. By taking action, it means that we're moving to toward where we want to be rather than waiting for the world to change for us. Another definition of the word beginning is the first part. This definition implies that beginning is just the first step toward what will be and points us toward the things that we need. No task is completed in just one step. And just like the poets in Lamentations, we must commit to the next day, knowing that with each day comes new mercies and new beginnings. Neither the poet or I are forgetting the past. Instead, we are well aware that each day brings a new decision. Do I focus on the good or the bad? Because we are still in chaos. And just like the Israelites, we're standing in destruction. But here's where I think it gets good. The poet doesn't say that after this glimpse of hope, everything will be easier. Because the grass isn't always greener on the other side. No, the poet is still human. They understand that lament is still happening and this still sucks. Our feelings don't go away. They aren't swept under the rug. Instead, they are acknowledged. They are a part of the process. So remember this, out of lament, hope arises and pushes us toward true worship. A new beginning is not about leaving the past behind you or living in the oblivion of optimism. It's about living in the truth of reality and embracing each new day. It's about committing to action and not just reliving the good old days. As the world evolves, so do we, and we have choices to make. Do I remain stuck in the past, or do I open myself to new beginnings for the future? Amen. Let us pray. Steadfast and abundant God, indeed your mercies are new every morning. You have met us in the midst of distress, spoken to us through a time of tribulation, nourished us with hope for a new beginning. 
Now send us forth in the strength of this holy meal, in the memory of these sacred moments, in the encouragement of your spirit, to show forth your love, to work tirelessly for your justice, to be instruments of your peace. For this we call to mind, your steadfast love never ceases, your mercies never end. Great is your faithfulness. We have seen and tasted and believed. Help us so to live in Jesus Christ and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.